0: This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.
1: The Share Your Hotness podcast is brought to you by Van Garrett Media. Hi, I'm Chris Van Garrett, founder and chief marketing officer of Van Garrett Media. If you're a business owner or a knowledge worker, you know that crafting your own voice and message around your brand is absolutely crucial to your success, especially in the COVID and post-COVID era. But how do you do all of that at the same time still work on your business instead of in it? Don't have a website? Is your logo one of those $50 specials from Fiverr? Was your tagline just stolen dialogue from a 90s sitcom? Hey, we've all been there. You had to start somewhere, am I right? This is where Van Garrett Media can help. We specialize in digital marketing and branding. Branding For small and medium sized businesses, we get to know the root and soul of your business, finding out what makes you tick and why, and then we craft a message that'll make your target audience see you as the solution to their needs. We'll then bring them to you through targeted marketing efforts using everything from social media and SEO to email campaigns to old fashioned television commercials, radio, and press releases. You can find us on Facebook. Just search out Vanguard Media, two R's, two T's, or give us a call, 801 386 3896. That's 801 386 3896. Mention this and get a hundred bucks off your custom branding package. That's 801-386-3896 or check us out on Facebook, Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness podcast.
0: Share your
1: hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green.
2: Welcome to Show Your Hotness Podcast. I'm with Tina Jones. And I just realized, my friend, that I keep forgetting to do like a little intro before each of these because I'm so new to being the leader of the podcast. And you and I were talking and I was like, wait, stop. <laughs> um, we have to, We ha- I have to double check it's recording. We have to go live to record it because Tina and oh I, I met, um, several years ago, at a networking event hosted by a mutual friend of ours, Kathy Hughes. Now, was that the one where they did vision boards we were at the center for spiritual living as far as okay. what building
0: location we were in okay. and you were talking about hot
2: right yeah we what do you want to talk about like and it was a networking and meeting yeah over the years tina and i keep having these conversations and we are like and you're one of the reasons that i was like yeah i can do this podcast because i can just grab my friends and we'll oh. have so much fun What's and I was your inspiration yes you were part of the inspiration <laughs> for sure because yeah. i was like the, and you know you just want it to be authentic and real and fun conversations and we're always authentic and real we can't help it and um we just keep going deeper and deeper and we're the kind of friends that have even cried on each other and yeah the, i walk like, in Lita's office and go ah. <laughs> Well, you know, we, we we even held hands during COVID. I mean, now the COVID police are going to come and grab us, you know. Right. So I wanted to talk today because we are both not only survivors of sexual abuse, but um, as I talk about in my book, that when you, there's the the victim, when the, the action is still happening to you, and the survivor, and I don't love that term because survivor, if you look up the definition, is the remnant, the leftover. So we're not both just survivors, but we're also advocates because we've been there and we can lift others up and um, through different work, you know, my speaking and my writing and you do coaching and empathetic listening and different things like that. We're both working in this space of helping people to get to a place of advocacy, whatever different words that we use for it. And so I wanted to have you on so that we could talk about how to share your story, how to, how to start getting to a place of healing and getting beyond survivorship,
0: right? Yeah. That's a big thing. And, you know, my background is different than yours um, in that I was a feisty little kid. And like I was surrounded by dominant males, like teeny tiny social group like I had a graduating class of
2: Two. You know, are gonna you're gonna laugh at me. I'm trying to figure out how to silence my notifications. I know, totally unprofessional of me to interrupt my <laughs> own podcast. So I'm gonna mute something. Mute audio. Oh, that muted you. Mute my audio. I'm all here laughing. Okay. I know, and you muted me at the same time. <laughs> there's this long pause. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, it's all right because we're figuring it out. And this way, and this way, when I'm you know later they'll be like, wow, you were so good. But there's like this computer techie thing that it keeps beeping. And I'm like, how do you get rid of that beep? And I, I didn't have enough time. So anyway, I interrupted you, my friend. So rude, just to show you how real and raw our conversations are, that I am comfortable muting myself while talking to Tina. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, I was saying that my background was totally different. Yes. Like I had a teeny tiny world and was surrounded by dominant males. I had a graduating class of two. Yeah. And
2: mine was mine was uh, a little world that was a truck driving world. So not little. But, you know, there was the people of influence, you know, my little community. But yours, I think, was smaller because I grew up. Very much smaller. But mine were
0: dominant women. And see, I never saw that. I saw meek, mild, mousy, quiet women and dominant men. And everybody was a victim everybody was a victim mm-hmm. in my world mm-hmm. and I was feisty and in your face and like, so I was fast on my feet and my real abuse didn't happen until in my twenties. And I was date raped multiple times because mm-hmm. I didn't know.
2: Cause of I, your little world, you didn't have, you weren't I wasn't Um, educated or educated about what you could do. In fact, a funny story. So my mom grew up in a little town in um, Hayden, Colorado. And, you know, in the, you know, the, the fifties. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the term sleeping with a boy, no one had explained that there was an action, not just actually sleeping. So these, these uh, high school students go, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend and a bunch of people on a bus, go to some band performance, whatever. I don't know what it was. And the girl, Fell asleep on her boyfriend's shoulder. And they wake up as they, you know, she wakes up as she's getting close to home and she's really quiet and awkward. And she gets off the bus and she sees her parents and she bursts into tears. She's like, I'm so sorry, Johnny and I slept together. And Johnny's like, No, no, we didn't. (laughs) Where is this? Because she was so naive that she thought the actual just falling asleep leaning on her boyfriend's shoulder was sleeping together because she didn't know there was anything more than that he did assuming from his reaction and how my mom always told the story but that was something that I would always say it's important to try to maintain a certain amount of innocence but naivete is no defense
0: yes and when you so my world was all about power and control and the men had the power and the men had the control and it was power over I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and some of yes. her talks yes. and teaching talks about power over or mm-hmm. power with and power um, to. Yeah. And yeah. in my world, it was all about dominance and control and manipulation. And we all agree and guilt. And yeah. so then when I my first my first sexual experience was power over and mm-hmm. I'm a woman and I'm supposed to be quiet and I'm supposed to submit and, and this I was, was in a date rape situation. Yes. And I okay. was taught, I was in my, um, I was 19 and I was taught by my mother that men didn't have
2: control mm. and that I. Well, would, we still do that with the boys will be boys. And and I love history and Victorianism and, mm-hmm. you know, the dresses and all of that. But I do not love that, you know, a woman was expected to be a virgin and men, you know,
0: the, it I mean, the picture
2: were. Right you know, you, you could rape and destroy. And it was always, of course, the woman's fault if she was raped, but we still do that today. in fact, in my book, I make the point that not only can you expect young men to respect you, you know, speaking to girls, but you should, you know, I mean, not only should you, but this whole entire concept that men are not in the control. That's not true anymore than, than like we were to say, women weren't in control. Right. And they put this you know? fear in me. So I had this fear of men, except for
0: men were in control and women were supposed to be quiet. And I grew up being pissed at God for making me a woman because bad, I'm not quiet.
2: Perception. Yeah. I'm
0: not meek. I've, I listened to your last episode of your podcast. and
2: just laughed through the whole freaking thing. Sorry. No, no, uh, that's okay. That's okay. Okay. Yeah, that's not the other word because we are family friendly. Yes, Tina, I know. Like, I saw, and I said the word poopy. So, you know, <laughs> we should, we should put those swear word disclaimers. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, Alita knows me that I'm, I usually use more colorful words. So. I'm, yes. Well, well thank I'm, you. Thank you. I, I want this to be appropriate for you know anything I do is appropriate for twelve year olds and and sometimes I do use really violent language like diarrhea. So you know. yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but women need to be empowered. And right. I, sent, I finally finished your book, and
2: it, the, I love you too. My second book. Yeah. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. So the first part of it was was triggering for me, and it was really hard. It surfaced a lot of emotions because. Truthfully, every girl I knew growing up was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Every single mm-hmm. one of them, which was all five. Yeah, okay, really small world.
2: Really small world. <laughs> like all five. I, like, so all fine. five of them. Yeah, all five. I, that's hundred percent. Which is why statistics are always deceiving. Right. Because you sure. know they say you know one um, one in three or yeah one in three women, you mm-hmm. know, and one in five boys, but that's reported. Right. So in my world, it was a hundred
0: percent of the women and yeah. one in five boys. Mm. Yeah, so, and I won't call out
2: names of anybody that I. Grew and then up. there was, and then there was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we need to have disclaimers. We're no. raw and unscripted, but we don't out people. <laughs> right, but what I
0: love about your story, Lita, is that you don't go into the. Ugly, like my husband calls it, there's no need to dive into the weeds and get into the ugly story. Because right. what I tell clients is I say, your healing and your transformation is not found in telling the old ugly story. Your right. transformation is finding tools and practicing those tools until they become a skill.
2: Exactly, exactly. And- Which is... Yeah, I, you know, and part of me is a little disappointed that the first part was triggering. But, you you know, I mean, it was the topic, right? Because I want to make sure that I am getting into the skills and the tools and the inspiration of how to get to a better place. And um, but, you know, um, I call it onstage therapy. Yes. There was a speaker a few years ago and I won't go into the, the circumstances. I'll, I'll make it up so that it's not clear who I'm talking about. And so let's imagine that he um, had a very bad injury playing ball just coming up with something and um, everything in everyday conversation and on stage was all about this traumatic ball accident. You know, you had some good before and afters of how graphic the ball accident was and you felt terrible and you definitely want to know how it happened because it there's a very graphic before and after, but it was interesting because one day I was sitting in the audience as he was presenting and seeing that everyone's like, okay, And I was just like, what's the application for the individual? There isn't any. And then his career was like on fire. Everybody had to hear the story. But then after they'd heard the story, they no longer wanted to hire him. And I was going through this where people were like, Lita, why don't you brand yourself? um, You know, your, your daughter died or, you know you know, these dramatic stories, you know, I have a whole different brand and a whole different message because that's applicable. Everybody's been an insecure teenager. Everybody's had self-esteem issues. Everybody's gone through these things. These are just my individual path. But when we are sharing our story publicly and we're not able to give out the lesson, we're not ready to be the coach. We're not ready to be the speaker. We're not ready to write the book about it. We have to be able to pull out what that lesson is. And so um, I love what you're saying that, you know, you you have to get to that place otherwise you're not you're not ready to be speaking up for that group. Yes. You have
0: to look inside and ask the question, what is my lesson here? Right. Right. And, and when and, you own that yeah. and then can share that, then it can become something that can be a, a teaching. And we're good enough
2: friends that, you know, there was a particular day that you had been triggered by a conversation with someone and we can leave it void. So it's not clear who, Mm -hmm. and it was like, okay, why are all these feelings happening? And it's because if that was a speaker, then I would have gone and been like, oh, poopy snot. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was a friend and there's processing emotions, which, you know, I'm a friend that you can process with. And then there's the emotions that we share with the bigger world. And with social media, you know, it's so easy to process with the whole entire world or our whole entire world. Yeah, no, And it's, it's not, it's not
0: okay. You never know. You have to only share. And I just, I told this in coaching with one person who um has been through some past trauma and I'm working with this individual and, um and, and she has a habit of, wanting to share everything on social media. And I had to let her know, look, you have to
2: know who are your sacred people? Exactly. I call the circles of intimacy in my book, you know, who are those people that can be trusting and loving and accountable for the information and trust that you are giving them? Because there are people who will use that against you. uh, I have experienced Uh, that. Yeah. Like an abuser. (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, particularly, you know, sexual abuse, but there's the emotional abuse that often goes along with it. The mental, I mean, I say in my book that more than what he did to my body was what I had to sort out in my mind. Yes. Exactly. Because there were so many lessons, because I, your experience was at a 20 year old where those lessons that you weren't taught open, made you vulnerable. And he was one of those that got to teach me because it happened from two and a half to 14. So he got to form the lesson. But at the end of the abuse, I knew how to protect myself in a much better way. And so it's interesting how there's kind of that collision mm-hmm. of you weren't taught certain things. I was taught certain things and we still had to iron those out and the abuse left us created a vulnerability in a blind spot and so when we're talking to kids you don't want to go and be like there are people who want to hurt you you know you can't you know you can't you know make them afraid of the world in fact uh, my son was talking to me the other day about he goes you you never taught me stranger danger why is that mom and that's because most strangers are awesome. And my son's this very outgoing, gregarious person. And we we delved into, again, which he's we've had this conversation in one form or another many times. It's because it's 80-some percent that somebody you know that will assault you or molest you. Yeah. And when it comes to emotional abuse, it's probably almost 100 percent somebody, you know, because if you are triggered or hurt because somebody didn't use your proper pronoun or somebody called you a guy or somebody said a poopy word to you. I mean, I got hate mail with each of my books and I'm like, awesome. I'm making an impact. Yes, that's a good way. You know? to, to and we'll one time that. I walked in to speak and somebody said, your hotness. And I said, yes. And they said, you're not that hot. And I was like, just wait, just wait. And I could have been offended. Like, are you referring to my extra weight or whatever? But I was like, just wait, you'll get it, you know, and we get so triggered by things outside of us when really you know, that's, that's making us, uh, what's the term snowflakes? You know, what's the term? I don't know. There's like a term that if anybody can melt you or something like that, anyway, who knows? Cause it's probably not a nice thing to say to someone, but you know, we have to somehow shift this, uh, these things that happen to us to moving out of what you were saying, everyone in your world's a victim and that set you up to be a victim. Right. Yes.
0: Yes. And I I grew up being surrounded by verbal abuse constantly at every turn. And so I'm highly um, and I I listen to language and nuances of little things that people say, because there are little things that we say to ourselves. Yep, Yep. Or little things that other people say to us that
2: are just super unkind. They're poopy. Totally unkind. Yeah. And, and those things do set us up to be a victim of some way or another. Yes. That's why the self-work is so important. Okay. So this conversation you had, um, without del- delving into who, because we don't want to out anyone and how it just kind of triggered different emotions in you. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Okay. So your, I love your little look you gave me like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not trying to get you to try, cry on my podcast. Oh, okay. No, it's okay if I do. I totally,
0: I was nervous about that actually. That I was going to make you cry? That I was just going to cry. I'm like, I mean, usually I'm not nervous to speak, but I also know that, you know,
2: you and I have a close relationship. And so I'm like, every time my light is off, it's, I walk in late, it's just the two of us and my, I don't know how many prescribed subscribers at this point. Okay, I won't break into song there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Evidently, I'm really cool in England. Mm. I'm I'm catching on in England. So uh, I'm pretty happy that they must know that I love them.
0: Okay. So back to the conversation. i really want to your office.
2: Yes. You come in my office and we're, you know, you just kind of like, okay, you knew I'd be the safe place to talk about it. And really, I'm not trying to get you to share what happened. I mean, you know what the feeling, the feeling around how we who those people are that we allow to trigger us. Right. Okay. Yeah. Who, how does, how do we let, how do we protect ourselves when we've had a particular trauma and then we're hearing about their trauma and there's someone we care about or love and how we process that I think would be an interesting conversation because, you know, like I watch a TV show about someone's baby dying and I can't just like, Oh yeah, that's not a real thing. That's fine. I am like, <sighs> right. And it may not be this outward thing that you can see on me, but you know, it's been 12 years and my husband and I almost 12 years, my husband and I, anytime you hear about a baby dying, we both do this little check-in with each other. You know, there's a touch, Mm -hmm. there's a kind of a look like I got you, you know, you, you got me. Okay. You know, we have that. And I, and I think that so many people confuse their circle of intimacy, the people they can trust With people they can't trust, and then can't figure out why they're not healing.
0: Yes. So, wow, this is such a loaded conversation topic. Whatever this is like. You thought I'd go soft? You thought I'd be like, oh no, I know. (laughs) So, really, in that moment, this person is close to me, and I did not, like I said, you know, I grew up with like five people, and I have two sisters, five girls,
2: you know. And and this this is why it's so interesting, is because five people Yeah, that was your forced group of intimacy
0: yes which were tiny people so okay I'll go to there you know just I just get this rage inside of me that is like I want to fight for them I want to help them heal I want to do for them
2: Mm -hmm. but you know you know I know that I cannot do for anyone Right. But that comes from that training that you talked about mm-hmm. of being the the caretaker, the submissive, the and I think women in general, our society is struggling with that.
0: Well, you know,
2: the cycle of
0: abuse, right? When you right. look at the cycle of abuse, there's the persecutor mm-hmm. who's and then there's the victim and then there's the rescuer. Right, right, right. So when you perpetuate the cycle of abuse. I want to jump in and rescue the other
2: person. It's not empathy. It's not compassion. What's interesting is often the abuser or the persecutor makes us try to rescue them. Yes. So. Changing the cycle of abuse in our own minds
0: and like I, I do a whole conversation, I just did last night, this whole conversation with a group of birth moms, just letting them, talking them through how we move to each perceptual position just within our own head. Like we tell the story over and over and over and by telling the story, we're being our own persecutor. Right, 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 right. Or we're getting stuck in the, oh, I feel so
2: horrible. And we're stuck in the feelings. Yes, yes. And then we're just forever a victim. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so, I mean, even like a, such a small level. Right. And we're focusing on what we're not what we're lacking, right? Instead of what we can, what we can be and become and do and affect. So, what I teach people
0: is to go to what are my what are my core values that are being mm-hmm. met or not met. So, in that moment, I have to look at, wow, I value this person, and I feel. Horribly sad that this person experienced this. Mm-hmm. And I value personal empowerment and learning. And right. then I just go to a space of asking them questions of, you know, would you be open to me sending you a book? <laughs> And what book would you be sending them, my friend? Yes. I don't know. I bought three that day.
2: <laughs> we just signed this one to so-and-so. And this right, one right. So-and-so. You know, um, around the same time that we had this conversation, um, uh, a dear friend of mine's daughter went into Primary Children's Hospital, which is our local hospital, for the millionth time. And I've known her several different times that this has happened, that she's gone to the hospital. But for some reason, this particular reason, I was so triggered you know, completely about me. So I called one of my good friends and I was like, hey, I just need somebody to know that this is hard for me. And she's not going to be like, oh my crap. Oh, you don't know. You know, she's not panicking. I just needed someone else to carry that with me. And I think that's a lot of why you talked to me that day is because you'd been put a burden on that you couldn't equally share with them because there couldn't be this mutual processing with this individual, Mm -hmm. Um, even though that's always nice if the people, and that is one of the things of how I know I can love someone, but they're not in my closest intimacy circle. Even if they share all the things with me, if I can't share all the things with them and them not be like, well, it's about me right now. I got to talk. Why are you talking about you? And that was something that commonly happened in, in, uh, you know, my family cultures. So I'm just trying to express my feelings. And I eventually had to say to somebody, you don't get to complain about this family member to me. That's an off topic. And they're like, well, who can I talk to? And I'm like, I don't know. But it is not healthy for me to hear all your garbage about this family member because I've got my own garbage. <laughs> well, you know, it's not <laughs> good to be an emotional dumping ground for anyone. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, I've we're not- told that's empathetic and loving. But it's not. But it's another kind of perpetuating that victim rescuer thing is you're always rescuing people from being a constant perpetual victim, which is why going into our story outside of the processing phase is not helpful. And at different times, it may hit us in a different angle. Okay, wait, I need to process. You call someone that, you know, there's a mutual sharing back and forth and be like, I don't want to wreck your day, but can you carry this for me a little bit today? You know, prayer, um, send me some nice thoughts, you know, maybe a text at the end of the day saying, Hey, just want you to know, was thinking of you today right there's
0: yeah. a difference between burying all of the stuff and Very hiding much. it because yes. so my family dynamic was one or the other it was either explosive blah, out of control emotions or completely hiding
2: thing yes and, and I think a lot of people did. a lot of people could identify with that unhealthy dynamic where there's not that fine-tuned of how and who you can process with and carry things And as children You know, you and I both have just shared how we weren't taught that dynamic. I had to learn that, and
0: like I've, it was about ten. I've been through smugly things in my life, and it really was about ten years ago that I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm in a second marriage, and I'm starting to see the cycle over again."
2: Okay, so if we were to come up with a formula, yeah. Okay, what would be our formula, Tina? What would be our (laughs) formula? So we're (laughs) you're what? I have a formula. I perfect. Okay, so what what would be Tina's formula? Um, let's discuss. What's the formula of how to process healthy, so you can go from this victim to survivor thing? And obviously, this is a okay big, a big thing. But I feel like I feel like we got this. Okay, so I I'll send you the worksheet later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's so notes will be Tina's Here's, an, here's the thing. We go, there's something, things happen. Right. Life happens. Who okay. happens. So, happens. Um, and I can tell a story here that, to demonstrate this. Perfect. I'm a workaholic. <laughs> and I, I have a tendency, you know, I used to, so I had one, okay, so. I had one night that I'm sitting here, here in Utah, in this office, and I'm working away on my website, trying to get it done. And I'm sitting here late after dinner. My husband was cooking dinner, which he used to be the primary cook. And all the time, while the cooking, I know, I'm spoiled. And he's in the kitchen, swearing, throwing things, making noise, like being totally Mr. Grumpy Cat. (laughs) I said that just- Oh, watch your (laughs) language, young lady. (laughs) and I was like I'm sitting here at my computer going oh I'm almost done and what I said was oh my god he sorry
2: he's mad at me okay I'm okay with God okay good <laughs> I, I just okay. want to refer to him with respect
0: <laughs> I'm like oh my goodness he's mad at me because I'm working late. Mm-hmm. so I made the sound and the noise in the kitchen means something about me oh, yeah. And, yeah it was yeah. all about me which is what our brain loves to do which is human nature absolutely it's human nature and it's just a science thing and i can show you pictures of your brain and show you how it works this is your grain on brain on uh, ego right, right. yes <laughs> but it's like it's just because our brain likes um, patterns. Yeah. So it's a pattern and it means that I'm a terrible person, right? So my 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 thing is look at just the data and the facts, look at what's factual that a movie camera could see, not without judgment. So right, not right, without right. judgment of him, not without judgment of me, not without labeling or blaming or coercion or manipulation, right, right, right. all that out. So fact, my husband's right. cooking dinner, He's making grumpy sounds, and I'm still in my office working. Those are the facts. Okay, what are my choices here? I, The next step is what am I feeling? So facts. And then what am I feeling? I'm feeling... Embarrassed? Why am I embarrassed? What am I doing that I'm loyal? I'm also feeling motivated to get my work done, but I'm also feeling kind of sad that he's angry. Right, I'm right, right. Because so, I'm like,
2: what you're doing is you're intellectualizing the emotion.
0: I'm looking instead for the of just
2: responding. Instead to of the emotion, yes. you're saying, why are you here and what is your purpose? Yes. Yes. So mm-hmm. when you kind of in a
0: sense pull it out of you and look at it like it's a thing, it's a messenger. It's talking to me. Okay, it's right. talking to me. What's Which is we're the
2: only animal that can do that. Yes. And yet people say all the time, well, it's just the way I am. No. And I, I, I mean, you I know the reason I bring it up is because you and I are like, what if we were just the way we were, you and I would still be
0: victims. Well, you talked about that in your book. You talked about PTSD, yeah. which I'm loaded with. Right. And I've had all kinds of tr- habits and patterns and ways of communicating that destroyed my first marriage mm-hmm. completely. And it was nasty and an ugly divorce. And here I'm in my second marriage. And Like it's anyways, well I've relearned. But yes, we've we've learned I've I've learned, okay, so what am I feeling? And then what am I really wanting? What are my what are my desires here?
2: Oh, I like that.
0: I want connection with my husband. I love his cooking and I feel sad that he's grumpy pants. And I want I want a happy evening together. Right. right. So hmm, what action can I take then? hmm. So our feeling. So my action was I'll um, I'll I'll continue down that thought. My action was I stood up and I went out into the kitchen and I checked in with
2: him. Yeah.
0: So, Dennis, I'm curious the story I'm telling myself. So first I, I said, I'm curious. Here's what I observe. I'm hearing you. And you use the I am statements that are always so
2: healthy. Yes.
0: So I'm curious. I'm hearing you out here being frustrated and the story I'm telling myself is you're mad at me Mm -hmm. because I'm not out here talking with you and hanging out and supporting you. Like we love to do. We like to hang in the kitchen together and And he said, no, I'm just frustrated because the lights in this kitchen are horrible and my old eyes can't see anything. And I don't know what I'm cooking. And I'm like,
2: "Yeah, oh, wow, it's not all about me, is it? And we tell our stories. So I could have been. Yeah, yeah. I could have been. We tell our stories because we're naturally naturally five-year-olds that everything's about us. Yes. You know, the Bible calls it the natural man, you know, the spiritualism movement calls it ego, right? Um, and, you know, some people call it poopy, right? But, you know, we're naturally selfish. So I just kind of took little notes here, how you apply that to yourself and you keep checking with choices and asking yourself questions by intellectualizing the emotion. And then you challenge yourself to the action. Yes. How can I affect this? Yes. So let's you- imagine, let's just pause for a minute. Let's imagine if you went out there and he's like, yeah, I'm totally irritated you're working. Well, then I can take ownership for that. And I go, wow, I knew that's where you would go. Cause I feel like ownership and accountability are like, that is the most attractive trait to me in a person because we all screw up. And of course you've read my book, so you know how I feel about accountability Mm -hmm. and, um, if we have impacted someone negatively, we take accountability. Now, the cool thing is if we're looking at the typical abuser in this formula, it, they're always going, it's always going to be your fault. Every emotion they have is on you, Ooh. right? So this is how we can come up because sometimes it's not only healthy to know how we become healthy, but to recognize how unhealthy someone's behavior is. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm we not people, responsible for other close. people's emotions. Right. So, okay. So then you get to take ownership and accountability. You get to ask what emotion and any time in this formula that we're giving people, they get to say, wait a minute, maybe I'm not the unhealthy one here or maybe it's 80% them and 20% me. And maybe I need a different person to process with.
0: Yes. So the other thing I say is that usually conflict happens because Um, Well, behavior is a result of my value. Yes. What I value is demonstrated in how I behave.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: So in a moment, if there are two people in conflict, the moment that you can have each person get to the bottom of what they are valuing and needing or desiring in that given moment or craving in that moment, right? then those two people can have a conversation and come to a resolution.
2: But- not if they're an abuser, because as you talked about your childhood, it was about power and dimension. Yes, and, and so power. therefore you as just the submissive person always created a negative dynamic. They of course were fine. Yeah. And that is why accountability is so crucial is in all of my self-work in every book I've ever read from, you know, from the Bible to self-help books, accountability and ownership are key to growth. Because if you don't know what you did wrong, like when I hear about somebody who, like you said, I love this. This is one of the things I love about you, Tina, is you're like, it destroyed my first marriage. Total ownership. When I hear people say, I never loved them. I'm like, wow. So you're a sociopath who stayed in a marriage for 10, 12, 15, whatever years with someone you never loved and you convinced them that you did, or you now lying to yourself, running away from the responsibility. Maybe you didn't really fully understand what love was but where you were, that was love for you. Yes. And And so you have to figure out what patterns, what behaviors allowed, even if they're the abuser, even if they're the manipulator, the narcissist, whatever. I know one person who calls everybody a narcissist. Everyone's a narcissist. I'm like, there's actually a clinical definition of what narcissism is, but not agreeing with you does not make someone a narcissist. Correct. You know? So it's like, there's a pattern of behavior here that is so unhealthy that when you see that. And so people out there, they're looking and they're like, someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I am still in this survivor phase of trying to process what's happened to me. I need to find step number one is finding safe people from you know stopping the victim phase, you got to find the police officer, the social worker, the teacher, someone that can help you stop that abuse if need be. Yes. And you know right? right? and then to, to get practice. out of the survivor, you also need to go, who are those healthy people? And so if I only hung out with if I only hung out like if I was an alcoholic, you go to AA meetings because you're hanging out with people that are also working on being free of alcohol. But if you're trying to get free of your story, if you're only hanging out with people that are also still stuck in their story, then you create this, this network of survivorship, victim survivorship, almost. Right. I love your facial expressions right now. That is huge right there. So people always talk about, you know, the five people you hang out with. Right. But you're the, you're only as healthy as the people you put yourself around. You know, you can't, you, you can't be mad at yourself that you were a 20 year old girl who didn't understand what your body's boundaries should be and what sex and love should be when that was all you'd been taught. But if you were a 50 year old woman who'd been exposed to a lot of different ideas and still was staying there, well, then you got to take some ownership of that and change can- who is validating yep. you. Who are the people that are around you? Are they challenging you? Are they expecting you to get better? Are they like, you're perfect. You're amazing. You never need to change. You're just the way you are. You're perfect. Cause nobody's that. Nobody's that. Yeah. Right. And so i all of my friends have to be able to call me, call me out. Yes. And my husband is the ultimate call me out person. Like the first time he saw me speak as a speaker, And, you know, we paid for me to be in this course that, you know, taught us how to send in, you know, all the different business contracts and stuff you needed to do and kind of how to prep it. And it was like our graduation. And I knew because of everyone else in there that they were amazing because everyone else in there said how great they were. So me being an accountability freak, I was like, so I'm prepping my husband. I said, honey, I'm probably going to be the worst. You know, um, so you just you just need to, you know, know that I know that and then we'll just look at where I am and, you know, what I can do better. And I learned a couple of funny things that day because uh, my husband, who's a perfectly honest man, he was like, you were the second best. And I knew when I was done, I knew before I got up that some of these people had over appraised their, their 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 the quality of their work. And some haven't even chosen to be prepared when it was a graduation for a speaker and didn't even have a speech prepared, right? So maybe their natural talent was more than mine, but they didn't even do the work. And so professionally, it's a funny parallel to look at emotionally. If we just, oh, I got this. It's going to be fine. I'm just going to kind of ride through it, right? That when it's really push comes to shove, like life makes us make a decision, it's graduation time. It's You're going to be prepping your kid. You're going to be doing something. You're going to fall back on what you've worked on or not worked on because you're not going to have any other option because that's what you've chosen to focus on, right? So that goes back to how crucial it is that you have people around you that make you process in healthy ways. Because when you came to me that day and we were talking, we talked through your feelings and I did give you some some validation of where you are. But I also gave you challenges like these, these, these. What do you think about doing this? And there was a whole conversation outside of sharing emotion. Then, okay, now what? What are you going to do with it, Tina? What else? Right. And it's that's that I don't think that when I think of certain individuals that I know in my life, they get angry when you say, well, now what? That this idea that they've recognized that this idea of your actions, your accountability, your, um, you, you, um, well, you put what action, what's the action I can take, mm-hmm. um, that they're not do they're missing that step. And so that's why you're always stuck is because you're just, it's the record player. Yeah. You, well, you've got you to get kicked out on the record player, like in real life where it just stops. You're literally on a record player until the hand of God comes and lifts you off. You act like that's healing. No, you have to set the music. So the worst, the most
0: unproductive question to ever ask, which is our first natural question that people ask is why did this happen to me? Yes. <laughs> so the yes. first thing I why, tell, me? Why, me? why? Why? The first thing I do is I tell clients, okay, write this word on your paper. Why? Now take a big X and cross it out. Amen sister. Never yep, ask absolutely. that question
2: again because it yeah. doesn't matter. Because it's it it's um what? it's just like the 2-year-old. Why? 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 Yo. eventually you keep digging deep, so deep down, you know, why does why is the sky blue? Well, why is the why is the the blue, you know, the, you know, I mean the 2-year-old will just keep digging in. Yes. And, it, and eventually you're like, I don't I don't know. And so knowing that there's the I don't knows is good. You know, it's seek not out get
0: you anywhere. When you yeah. ask why, all you do is dig through the weeds, you dig through the muck, you find all the garbage right. and you Now you can all ask
2: trash. what you're going to do. What? Right, because that's the impact. But the why question, unless it's a proactive. Well, it's, it's what do I happy. want? What yeah. would be fun here? What would create more? Where can I put more? myself? Yes. How do I move forward? And yeah. that's what I was kind of hitting on is the the where. Where are you dumping your feelings? Because if you're dumping your people still in victimhood, you know, and I mean, you just fill in the blank, whatever victim. You know, financial and, you know, victim, emotional victim. Hanging out with a victim is just really not fun. Well, and we've all, any, every single person has been a victim at some point in their life of something. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't yet, sorry to tell you this, it will come. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if we don't take the extra step to ask what we can do how we can learn what's the gym, what's the lesson, and pull that out. In my book, I make the comparison in my speaking about, you know, sexual abuse is like someone came and thrown a bucket of poop on you, right? And you can chase them all you want to try to get the poop off, but you've just spread poop everywhere you walk, you know, and getting resolution through getting, um, you know, 95, 97% of sexual abuse cases never get, you know, criminal justice. Now there's a lot because of rape kits have not been processed, but also like my story, if in order for me to go to court, and I think this is good, I don't remember what I was wearing that day or those days and those months. That surprised me when you, when I read that in your book and that, pissed me off that
0: made me angry but
2: the burden of proof is on the the victim to prove it and I do think that's good because you know we don't want good men and women who've not done something I had somebody try to extort money threatening me that they were going to accuse my husband and I said well isn't that interesting because he's never been alone with them and she's like why would you do that and I said because I know you're a crazy person used a different word (laughs) Um, but I can't violate, I mean, and I, I, I don't often swear. And she was like, oh, and I literally had a writer on this person on our insurance because I was related and I knew that eventually they would sue us. And so, you know, because I'm aware I protected my husband from that false accusation. So I think it is good that we, um, can't just accuse people, right. That there has to be proof. But this is where we as adults with our children make these conversations so not taboo. That if our child comes and says, somebody touched me here and there, and because we're going to teach them the actual words, we're not going to call you know, the vagina wah-wah, right? Mm-hmm. And that we can say, thank you so much for talking to me, and we are going to go get some ice cream, and we're going to go eat it, and you're going to take them to the ER, because you're going to get proof, you're yeah. to be like, well, love- go shower them off. You're going to try to make this terrible thing. You're going to gather the evidence. You're not going to go shower them and do all, you, you have, you have to be aware, just like I knew this as a crazy person who I would never process emotions with. And because I knew they were crazy because of their patterns, I protected my family. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when we're talking about how we both our circle of people that we need to protect as parents or friends you know if i you know i had to protect teach my kids if somebody tells them something like this this is the appropriate course of action cuz they're teenagers you know and as adults what's the appropriate course of action it always comes back to not being naive
0: yes and i loved how in your book love me too that you told specifically how to
2: have these conversations with kids yeah so which i, I think if i'm going to do a love me too too <laughs> <laughs> um, that I would go even deeper into that, you know, because, um, that these things are happening. And the reason I think they're happening more is because we have so un unres- so many unresolved victims yes. that are not able to process what happened to them and end up becoming victimizers.
0: In my tiny little world that I grew up in, I'm actually remembering that I, I told the not truth that there was one girl who was not, Okay so you know, for she out of five. had right she had a good relationship with her
2: parents and she told her parents everything a good relationship with her parents matters Yes. What? And she what? Are you saying that everything. an involved, active,
0: and non-shaming parent can help your children? A non-shaming parent <laughs> is the big thing. And yeah. I used to get so mad at her because she would just, get, so I quit talking to her, you know, like telling her stuff. Because you weren't you were ready for healthy people yet. Because I didn't know. Like I wasn't, you know, you don't go talk to our parents because, you know, I mean,
2: which is one of the things that makes me mad about TV shows is they always have the parents be so unaware of what is happening to their children. I know. know aliens and all these kinds of things are happening. to Their kids and their parents have no idea. There was so much that happened in my
0: world growing up that was completely, horribly, horribly wrong and most of it was never discovered. And yeah. then when it was, there was one big explosion when I was somewhere in high school age where um, I was actually a teen runaway. Did you know that about me? I did not know that about you. <laughs> Tina's been encouraging me to write
2: my book. <laughs> yes, I have been. I, so have I been. was actually, yeah, I was a runaway. So write that down. This step, and i to write a little book. <laughs> I have little three by five cards. And when I remember a cool story, I so write down Tina teenage runaway. And then I put it in there and then I gonna organize it into my book file.
0: So I was a teenage runaway. And while I was gone, all kinds of things got, you know, private school, you know, all of 10 kids and like pornography, sexual assault, all kinds of things came forward while I was gone and all. And then it was like, you know, so I had this great excuse. Oh, I just left because, of you know, cried mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my way out of it which right. was part well i i ran away because well,
2: yeah yeah I have to read my book you well, <laughs> little plug for Tina's book that has not been written yet. <laughs> right, it doesn't That's too bad. Time. People aren't going to wait so long, Tina. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. I know. I have, my oldest sister used to always tell me when I was younger, she said, someday I'm going to write a book about you. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm like, okay.
2: Um, yeah. So they're right. like, excuse me. I will write my own book. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Okay. So we've got this formula. We've got, you've got to look at the emotions and see if they apply to you.
0: Right. But first look at, first is observe. Observe. Right. Without okay. judgment.
2: Yes. intellectualizely judgment. Take that feeling. Look at it. I call it the thought bubble and I have feelings about where we're, where we're, where we're, you know, and then, um, what and are you what feeling? Am I feeling? What's the direction? And, what and am most I Especially, what is the action I'm going to take? And it goes back to accountability. So my friend, we, are the nice thing about us is we've never had a short conversation but I promised myself that I would not make this a three hour episode because <laughs> all of my British fans no just do not do not want five hour ones but um I really appreciate you being someone who is an advocate. And, you know, I don't want people listening to to think you can only be an advocate of sexual abuse if you were, you know, writing a book or being a speaker or coach like, you know, Tina, you can be an advocate in your individual life and making sure that you get comfortable talking about these things, because if you've seen the Disney Channel or any TV or, you know, if you want to put it in spiritual terms the world, Satan, is very comfortable with these topics. And so we have to become, you know, notice that Tina and I, we're not uncomfortable saying these things happen to us. There's no level of shame about it. And I hope that people will pick up from that, that we need to talk to our kids, because if they are in the process of being victimized, or you're prepping them to be a victim, um, those conversations are going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to lose that emotional connection with people, because we can't have enough ownership to say, wow, I can do better now, you know? So is that a good way to sum up the awesomeness of this one conversation we've had? Yes. Cause we're going to have you on again, my friend. Cause I know I have like four or five topics that I want to just be like, okay, Tina, we're doing this with okay. everyone else. <laughs> so, um, we'll have the information in the show notes and how people can find you. And you kind of did a tease about a worksheet. So mine as okay. well. people know they can get that worksheet yeah there you go so thank you tina for being one of my first dozen guests to be on share your hotness podcast honored well you know it's one of my favorite words okay i am okay
0: The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer,
1: and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. The Share Your Hotness podcast is brought to you by Van Garrett Media. Hi, I'm Chris Van Garrett, founder and chief marketing officer of Van Garrett Media. If you're a business owner or a knowledge worker, you know that crafting your own voice and message around your brand is absolutely crucial to your success, especially in the COVID and post COVID era. But how do you do all of that and at the same time still work on your business instead of in it? Don't have a website? Is your logo one of those $50 specials from Fiverr? Was your tagline just stolen dialogue from a 90s sitcom? Hey, we've all been there. You had to start somewhere, am I right? This is where Van Garrett Media can help. We specialize in digital marketing and brand Branding for small and medium-sized businesses. We get to know the root and soul of your business, finding out what makes you tick and why, and then we craft a message that'll make your target audience see you as the solution to their needs. We'll then bring them to you through targeted marketing efforts using everything from social media and SEO to email campaigns to old-fashioned television commercials, radio, and press releases. You can find us on Facebook. Just search out Vanguard Media, 2Rs two 2Ts, two or give us a call. 801-386-3896. That's 801-386-3896. Mention this episode. And get a hundred bucks off your custom branding package. That's 801-386-3896 or check us out on Facebook, Van Garrett Media.
0: This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.